0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Down But Not Out. Today, I'm joined by Spencer Farber. Spencer spent a number of years in sales roles before starting his entrepreneurial journey over 10 years ago. Founding several companies and serving as the director of PandaDoc, Spencer took his knowledge of sales and founded Cliently in 2016. Cliently is the first truly AI-based sales engagement software allowing you to leverage AI to fully understand and action on the buyer journey. Spencer, thanks for being on the show.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, Nick.
0: All right. I don't know if my introduction sufficed, but I'd love to hear uh, an intro from you for the audience.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was a pretty good overview. Uh, I've been sort of in the sales space for my entire career. Uh, I had my first uh, SaaS Opportunity at PandaDoc. In fact, they were super small. I was the first U.S. employee. They were called Quote Roller at the time. Um, you know, got to work hand in hand with with the CEO and, and a couple of others that were starting the company. Um, so really exciting to to learn how to build a SaaS from scratch. Um, left there about four and a half plus five years ago uh, to start cliently based on a lot of the knowledge of uh, go to market and building campaigns, etc. Uh, and you know, started cliently you know with an initial product hunt release and uh, yeah. went from there.
0: And uh, at PandaDoc, you, it says the director on your, your profile and uh, were you in sales and marketing there? Like what, what was your, uh, your role? because so, PandaDoc has done really well.
1: Uh, yeah. So yeah. i mean, to give you an idea. Like, you know, again, I was the first boy in the U.S. Um, literally my first few visits there were staying uh, in the bedroom in the house next door with the CEO. And then we would, go, we would go work in the kitchen with, you know, I think maybe one other person our, our marketing person. So I was, uh, you know, in charge of customer success. I was in charge of sales support. Account management—it was all in one. I mean, we were literally that small at that point. I think we're doing maybe a, a handful of a few thousand dollars of revenue. Uh, again, it was a different product called Quote World at the time, uh, pre-funding. Um, and so, you know, as we as we scaled and, and as we grew, you know, that position, of course, changed. You know, to leading sales efforts uh, in, in different capacities, and, uh, and of course, that, different people took over. You know, customer success and things of that nature as we grew.
0: And that led to Cliently, right? Because that was that was the big next step. Um, and uh, tell us about Cliently, what it does, and, and kind of where, where it came from.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, what I've always seen, you know, as a struggle, whether it was Panadoc or other businesses, was people have not heard of you, and of course, you want to start building that, you know, uh, traffic organically, but to find really the right type of customers out there, no matter what size you are, uh, in a scalable way, um, you know, you need to have a, a way to facilitate sales engagement, um, usually using outbound, uh, and doing that consistently, and I saw that constantly a struggle. Whether it was to, you know, craft a campaign, whether it was to create an omnichannel campaign, meaning more than just email, whether it was being able to track that, and then from a salesperson's perspective, because it wasn't just marketing, being able to see what's going on with those campaigns. On an individual basis, so you can react to that, because that's really what salespeople do is they take in information and then figure out how to customize the experience depending on uh, who that specific customer or potential client might be. And so Cliently is a sales engagement tool. Uh, You can think sort of along the lines of a sales loft or an outreach, but we're kind of veering into our own category to where we are uh, ingesting all sorts of data, whether it's from Salesforce or your, uh, so your CRM or even other ones, Pipedrive and HubSpot, Intercom. Uh, Chargebee, Stripe, bringing all that data together to help you understand who the clients are that you should be focusing that attention on at any given time. Um, And as far as the AI piece that we're very excited about, we haven't marketed that uh, really very much yet. Uh, And haven't really even announced it, but about six months ago, uh, we acquired a AI technology. Uh, We're building that into our product today. Uh, One of the other bigger struggles that we see is lead scoring. Either it's a complex setup or you don't have it at all. We're bringing AI lead scoring to where you always know who the hottest leads are based on all of your data. And it's constantly getting smarter by continually looking at more of your data as it grows. So that's kind of where we are today.
0: Yeah, definitely familiar with uh, Cliently and in my, in my realm of sales and marketing, looks like you guys are doing uh, some great stuff over there. Uh, the AI stuff sounds really cool. Definitely a place for it. Uh, if you have that large uh, data set, like you're mentioning, uh, would love to, I know that this, the down but not out story is related to Cliently. So walk us up to, uh, to that happening. Um, so you founded Cliently and then how long after uh, before, before you had your down, but not out moment, and then go into what that moment was.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, cliently was, was bootstrapped, right? So we didn't have any funding. Uh, I was a sole founder with uh, really one developer that was freelance that was, you know, helping build the, build the project up. Uh, and so we slowly, you know, built our first version, um, you know, it took a few months listed on product hunt did, you know, okay. Uh, and then, you know, start to, to, to continue to build, uh, and basically had to, you know, work really hard to get every single client. I think at that point, maybe, um, you know, probably about f- three, four to four months or something like that after launch, maybe had, I don't know, 20 clients paying us like you know, $15, $20, <laughs> $25, whatever we could In get there. at that point, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, we, we were bootstrapped uh, being a sole founder. I did not have a technical co-founder. Uh, I just had, you know, uh, freelancers. Uh, I think actually two, one that was working on mainly front and one that was working on back end. Remember if memory serves me correctly. Um, and then basically we had two major blowouts in a span of, you know, I think it was a few week period. Um, us being an email sending tool, and I'm embarrassed to say this again, this is very different than the product today. Four and yeah. a half, so years ago, um, you know, we send emails for clients uh, with these automated campaigns. And the first big issue was uh, our system started to send emails from the wrong clients. So it was sending a client. If you had, a, you know, we had a client Joe at, you know, apple.com, it was sending from Beth at uh, microsoft.com. So yeah. about the worst you can do in terms of security and privacy. Um, that's number one. And to sort of make matters worse, number two, a couple of weeks after that, uh, we lost our entire database. And so what that means is we didn't lose our code. But we lost our database so all the records that we had for our clients all the contacts that they had, had that our clients had added people knew we were essentially in a in a beta at that point um you know so they weren't relying on our system heavily um, but we lost all of that it was a, a miscue by our uh, you know our developer who was trying to clean the database clicked the button he, he should not have didn't realize there was no backup those type of things and so basically the 400 or so of mrr that you know we had done everything for to, to scrape, to get there out the window, um, gone. Yeah. We, we did what we could with, with the clients that we had, you know, describe the issue and, and, and honestly it wasn't, um, make or break for them because, you know, again, they knew we were newer and they were just sort of giving us a try, but essentially, you know, we lost all their, their, you know, all their accounts that were tied to our, our billing system. So we, you know, would had to go get, get those by hand by the ones we could. Um, so we lost most of our MRR at that stage.
0: And, uh, back to the first issue did that affect all uh all clients that you had on the platform
1: it affected just a few yeah. um you know, again we only had i think maybe when i say 20 clients or 15 to 20 clients at the time yeah. and, and i would say it affected you know five or six at least before we realized the issue and then yeah. and, and of course fixed it um but still like it's a major like you know issue with with trust and security and everything else
0: oh yeah the- and the- did you lose okay. any of those 15 to 20 at that point or? Yes. Uh,
1: yeah. Yes. And then the, the
0: second issue was a few months later, um, few right, weeks, or, later. Few weeks later, and then you lost all the 15 to 20 at that point or the, the remaining. Lost, like, I, think,
1: I think like 80% of them. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. with the database being lost again, it wipes out all of their info information that they had in our system. Yeah. Um, you know, any contacts they had added, any campaigns they had created uh, those type of things. Uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, kind of where it left us.
0: Yeah, and you you mentioned that a lot of them were understanding because you were you were younger uh, as a company, right? And uh, but were any of them were there any bad reviews that surfaced online? Was there anything that uh, or even bad feedback? Did you get a lot of bad calls?
1: No, um, and this is where you know, and I don't know if this is where you know the segue is going to be, but this is sort of what leads to how we came out of it, and yeah. I can go speak to that. But no, there weren't really um, bad reviews or anything like that. from yeah. it. You know, we we reached out to everybody. You know directly as we could and some were just like all right well we tried it, it wasn't for us and, and you know yeah. moved on
0: yeah um and it was just yourself and two freelancers at this point right correct yeah and uh bootstrapped so it was just yourself that had put in money uh you're paying the freelancer's salary exactly Do uh, you know roughly how much you'd put in at this point
1: at this point probably like somewhere between 30 to forty thousand dollars. you know yeah. to get the product up to a point where you can you know have something that you can actually that, yep. that works you know so you would have and, been out
0: 30 to 40 grand then if it was uh if if you'd walked away at that point right personally um you invested that also had,
1: yeah i mean also had walked away from a high paying position all sorts of things yep. yeah
0: yeah yeah that
1: yeah i think that helped frames the uh
0: the, the severity of it right um it was early on but uh you had already personally invested in this you were the only founder in it too um, w- which leads to me to another question uh, I don't know if you've had time to reflect on this and did you do you think that it would have been easier if you had someone else that had some skin in the game with you right like a co-founder someone else to to go with you
1: yeah, absolutely yeah. and it wasn't necessarily about oh, I want to keep all of this for myself yeah, it was more about finding the right person and yeah. I just didn't have um the technical you know co-founder I did not know that person yeah um, you know so absolutely it's one of those things where. Having a partner or multiple partners, uh, people handling different facets that maybe aren't the part that you are, you know, experienced or skilled at, definitely important.
0: Yeah, that's definitely. I been... that's,
1: uh, sorry, I was gonna say I think that's where Pandadoc, you know, uh, was able to succeed at the very beginning because they had those areas sort of solidified. We had somebody that was great at marketing. We had a very uh, charismatic CEO. We had a thorough CTO, and we had myself on the sales side. So when you have all of those pieces with that you know, uh, or people that are very strong in them handling it, it helps quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's been a common theme throughout the uh the podcast and other stories that I've heard is uh going at it alone is tougher. And um like I have a co-founder at Visitor Q, but he was mostly fractional for uh the past few years. So I can completely understand that going at it alone it does become tougher. It goes back to what we were talking about before the show too a misery loving company. If you have someone there with you, it's a lot easier. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So you're at uh, $400, roughly MMR, 15 to 20 clients. You put in some money yourself, walked away from PandaDoc to to run this. uh, And you're you're four or five months in, it sounds like, after launching, building the product. And this happens. Um, You lose pretty much all those clients. Uh, What happens next?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that, that I always try to do is... I don't look at like getting upset and putting blame right because at that point it's not even because i'm such a great even being or anything it just it doesn't solve the issue right and so first off we looked at all right what can we do so we went and we reached out to all you know most of the clients again only a couple stayed we looked and said what was the last you know sort of uh instance uh that we had of our database which i think was a couple months back where we didn't even have you know half of those clients before at that point so it gave us a little a little bit of something and, and that's where we started uh I reached out to at least tell them all the problems so that we didn't get any of those bad reviews and things of that nature that you mentioned so then the other piece was we took and we also knew from next time we need to make sure we have our, our aws backed up you know number one number two it set us on a plan this was about a year and a half later but at least gave us the thought that we need to be using, uh, you know, a really strong backbone uh, for our email provider. That's not one that we built with a freelancer. And so eventually, you know, as we got better developers, we ended up going through APIs and we use now the same backbone as, as uh, Pipedrive does for their email sending. Uh, but that being said, here's sort of how I looked at it. Man, we just lost all of our clients. But from the flip side, all we lost was $400 of MRR. So I, you know, really looked at it that we you know had these extra few months we built up the product we 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 sort of figured out more ways to go to market and those type of things in that period and ultimately the the sort of silver lining here was that nobody had heard of us yet so we were completely under the radar and we hadn't lost that much and i looked at if we were like a year further down the line it would have been so much worse yeah. those reviews that you were talking about would have been you know coming out in mass like hey like we can't believe that we lost our data because we were really using the tool at this point um or sending email, you know so yeah. those type of things it, it sort of helped us uh, get past it because so few clients and and from there we just kept plotting forward um and we're able to turn around we were you know again pre-funded at this point um we were able to you know again this is just from memory at this point you know bring in about thirty-five thousand dollars of revenue before the end of the year so let's say those issues happened in like you know may or june of i think it was 2016. you know we were able to bring in a you know 35 probably you know five or six k mr before the year was out so we were able to turn the corner and again it was just looking at like let's just start from scratch but we have this product now so yep. that was uh you know i wish i could say there's something you know, of super resilience you know, story or creativity about it but it was really just one of the things that i'm sure you get with a lot of these different calls that you've done it's about perseverance, right? It's about, you know, continuing to go even when you get, you know, sort of knocked down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, getting knocked down doesn't always mean that what you're doing isn't working. It didn't mean that, you know, our developer uh, wasn't, you know, necessarily someone that should be overseeing an entire product. Sure. But it didn't mean that our product wasn't something that people wanted. It didn't mean that we weren't building in the right direction. Um, and so there were still sides that are keep going and, and, and we did that.
0: Do you think, uh, back to that perseverance resilience side, really just pushing through, uh, wh- where did that come from? Obviously, you have a, it sounds like a positive attitude towards it when it happened, but was that something that you had built up throughout the years? Like, wh- where does that come from?
1: I mean, I think a lot of it is going back to my sales background, you yeah. know, and a lot of people say for for every, you know, however many um, yeses expect, you know, 10 times that no's, right? <laughs> and and so i always looked at those as not just getting used to a no but also for me it's figuring out why you're getting a no and how you get to a yes and in this case the no was you know we had this issue which means the product wasn't going forward how do we get back around to where it is and so i think it's more just a sort of that sales gene and a lot of people have that right you just sort of look how do i you know figure it out and fix this problem versus dwelling on it
0: yeah yeah that's the big thing right it it is uh, it is attracting to to go towards that dwelling side, and a lot of people do. Um, but if if you keep pushing forward and you keep that that mentality of uh, it could be worse, uh, right? That's what I kept telling myself throughout the whole thing. It's like, okay, we've lost twenty uh, percent of our clients, but what it could be a hundred percent. So just keep keep going through. Um, okay. And then, like you said, uh, or, or you alluded to, you ended up raising around after twenty sixteen. Um, and yeah. where's the company now? It, it's definitely progressed.
1: Yeah so I mean we've raised about just under 2 million I mean it wasn't actually one round we've you know raised a little bit here a little bit there um you know some great partners that are have invested in us uh we have you know brought on as i mentioned that ai technology and uh the founder of that company has now become you know my partner in the company as well so it is nice now to have that person to lean on uh, that has expertise in in other areas uh and so yeah i mean we we've grown pretty well um you know we have a, a couple hundred accounts now uh, much bigger accounts than we were you know and we had at that point different type of clientele um and so we're you know getting ready to raise our first serious you know seed round of a few million dollars um as we speak
0: right on that sounds uh, it's exciting and you can definitely see the the, the progression after uh, after that down but not out moment Uh, And you'd mentioned about bringing on the partner and we talked about this earlier as well. Was that kind of a lesson that you took from there of I would not being non-technical and there'll be uh, a lot of non-technical founders that listen to this um, is having someone with some skin in the game, like a partner or uh, co-founder would you say that was important after the experience you went through?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I probably would tell you before it was important, but didn't realize it as much, but even then it was always about finding the right person. Yeah. You know, because that was, it wasn't until four years later or so that, you know, I still found a partner um, and I wasn't going to bring that person in unless, you know, uh, I was right fit. But yeah, I mean, it's nice to have that person where uh, when you're working at 11 o'clock, you know, on a Friday night or, you know, uh, 2 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, that person's working as well uh, and being able to, you know, continue to push the company forward versus, you know, uh, an employee, even really good employees, it's just not the same mindset.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, back to the the, uh, think a few months back into 2016, you, you mentioned you guys were bootstrapped. How much cash did you have left? Do you remember roughly? Were you ever close to walking away
1: at any point? I wasn't close to walking away, but I was almost always out of cash. Like, I mean, yeah. I didn't have a lot, um, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay the freelancers? Those type of things, and keep and keep moving on." So those thoughts were always. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, you know, one time I actually was not an expensive car, like a $10,000, yeah. whatever car that I had, I went to, you know, one of those areas where you could get your get cash for giving them the title to your car. I've since paid it back, of course, but yeah. I did some, I did that. For example, yeah. I gave up my title to my, to my, you know, Toyota Corolla, you know, to to be able to, to keep going. So you do what you have to. And again, it doesn't mean that every one of these stories leads to success. However, right. I think it is uplifting for, you know, people to understand that a lot of us go through this and, you know, will Cliently make it to that pinnacle of, you know, a hundred million, a billion dollar company? I hope so. I mean, there's right. nothing there that says a hundred percent, but I but I hope so. But that being said, I know that we wouldn't be where we are now if we had stopped before. I was about you know, to
0: say, you have a 0% chance of reaching there if you'd given up in 2016. Exactly. And we've yeah. gotten
1: through a lot of those hurdles, you know, since. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. The big thing with uh, entrepreneurship is that uh, if you were think of it like a sport or a game, um, there's no bell at the end until you ring that bell and you tap out, right? That's yeah. really it is when you give up. That's when you lose. That's when you that's when you forfeit is when you actually ring that bell. It's not like any other game or sport where there's an actual end to it. If you keep going, then it doesn't end. You just keep going. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a great story uh, through and through and, uh, and obviously client Lee's doing great. Now you said a few hundred clients uh, working on raising another round. Um, and uh, and I think there's definitely some uh, some good lessons in there. Anything that you would tell, founder that's going through that moment now that you haven't mentioned?
1: Just in terms of how you look at the problem, um, work on fixing the problem. And that actually keeps your mind going forward instead of dwelling on it, right? Because yeah. if you're in that moment and figuring out what do we do? How do I move forward? it doesn't allow you to dwell because you're just simply dealing with any other issue that you could have just as easily had. That wasn't you know, necessarily as significant to your company, but it allows you to really focus on that and it doesn't give you time to, to sit there and think about the bad. And then by the time you've gotten past it, you're past it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, along that line as well, you've probably had other moments in cliently since maybe not as bad, but, uh, do you think that the first one or the first few kind of helped you build up that resilience and that, that mentality?
1: Maybe I can also say sometimes they create, and you probably know those two additional bruises that sometimes make you feel like a punch drunk fighter. So I don't want to always say that the more of these knocks that you get, the better off you're for it. But I do think it's something that um, at least, you know, strengthens your resiliency a little bit, at least, you know, to understand, okay, I've gotten through this, I can get through that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, an important point too. The uh, you can only get hit so many times as well, just like a just like a boxer, right? But mm-hmm. just keep getting back up. I think that's a big thing. All right, Spencer, that was uh, that was great. I think that's a, a really good story to recap again. Uh, started your career in sales and marketing, went and started your own sales and marketing software and cliently. Four hundred dollars into your journey in MRR. Um, you, uh, there was an issue with the software because of the, some of the freelancers that you were, uh, utilizing early on that led to some emails being sent from the wrong address, the database being deleted, which pretty much made you start over from zero, uh, 2016, fast forward to 2022. Now you have a few hundred clients. How many employees are, are you guys at? Uh we're about 10. Ten, yeah. Um, You've you raised uh, about two million dollars. You're you're raising even more, um, and uh, and definitely a strong recovery after an early setback. So, uh, thank you, Spencer, for for your time and, and for sharing your your down but not out story um, to everyone listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave us a review. Also, subscribe to the show to be alerted of new episodes. And finally, like and share. Uh, the episode on social media help us spread the word of down but not out all right bye everybody bye spencer thanks nick